Hello and welcome to that well-timed motorbike driving past my window. This is French Football Weekly, the podcast. Uh, my name is Chris and I am your host and thanks for tuning in as always. We have an awful lot to cover this week so I should waste no time and introduce my two guests this evening. You are Phil and Jez. Good evening to you both. Good evening. Hi. Now, before we get into the uh, meat and bones of the Champions League games that we witnessed in the last 10 days, uh, I just wish to say straight off the bat, we have reached out to Mr. Richard Allen for comment about Ren playing the Champions League uh, theme at high volume at 3am. He has denied uh, this allegation and will not be commenting further. So I think we all know that uh, that is where Rich has been in the past few days so uh if you're listening rich hope you're well um right on to more serious on to more serious matters uh so we uh saw a game last night between psg and the uh the, the underdogs i got so sick of hearing that after a while atalanta and uh it what a game in the end it turned out to be for the parisians i mean that sorry the brave pure oh yes Yes, no, that's the one. Yeah. Don't don't start me, Jazz. We will come on to that. We'll come on to that. Don't you worry. That's on my uh, running order. Um, and don't worry, OL fans. We haven't forgotten about you. We'll come to you a little bit later. But let's start with PSG. Um, Jazz, seen as you have uh, piped up there, um, I think you shared my views as we were tweeting along, watching along with the game last night, um, enjoying BT Sports coverage as always. Mm. Um, PSG were wretched for periods of the first half but overall we're on top if you look at the game as a whole seemed like quite a big and quite a strong team talk was had at half time and it all turned out well in the end but so just overall thoughts of their 2-1 victory and uh, subsequent semi-final qualification to be completely honest overall I'm still not like 100% convinced about them um you know (laughs) There are people saying, well, they deserve to win because at the end it was all PSG. I think as much as anything, that's the nature of a of a one-match knockout right? knockout match. <laughs> um, yeah. That, you know, when you're behind and you need to win, then obviously it often ends up with you sort of going all out attack and the other team trying to defend a lead. And I think in a, in a two-leg situation, it obviously would have been very different. Um, and it... it it was a weird, I was messaging you before, it was kind of a weird match of contrast in so many ways when you can take sort of, you know, Neymar, who was fantastic, but missed a couple of absolute sitters. Chupo Motting, who's the sort of butt of everyone's jokes, who wasn't even in the Champions League squad in January, but came in and was the hero. Um, Tuchel surely sort of two minutes away from getting the sack and the whole of Europe taking the piss out of PSG again. And then suddenly they're, they're all conquering heroes. So I think like, you, we need to sort of take everything with a little bit of restraint. But overall, you know, w- one of the big things that everyone's criticised PSG for over the last couple of years is, is mental weakness. So you've got to give them huge credit for basically sort of mounting their own remontada, which they've been on the wrong side of a couple of times and, and sort of jumping that, that mental hurdle. I think that's a huge thing. Um, I think there are still issues there. I think, I mean, you look at that midfield that they played yesterday and yes, Ferrati mm. was injured. Yes, Di Maria, if you want to call him a midfielder, was was unavailable. But, you know, this is a team of kind of Galacticos with all the money in the world to spend and their midfield was let's be fair a defender and two pretty average 
midfielders and that's not good enough um, if they're really aspiring to win the Champions League. But when you've got a Neymar, when you've got Mbappe, you've got two absolutely world-class players who can turn a match. And for me, one of the most important things to take away from it is that, again, like the two domestic cup finals, PSG, I think, didn't play as a team at all because that midfield was so bad. Again, there was no sort of transition from defence to midfield to attack. And again, they're relying on a couple of individual bits of excellence. But conversely, in a way, they are playing more as a team than they ever have before in that there does seem to be much more of a kind of team ethic if you want off the pitch, more solidarity, more playing for each other, more happiness to be there. And I think that that's got to stand them in good stead over the next week or two, hopefully, as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well summed up. Um, so in, in terms of a couple of things I picked out on, particularly in that first half where Atalanta went in one at the break, that the goal was poorly defended. I thought Kimpembe, whose birthday is today, I believe, um, he didn't have a particularly good night, particularly at the start. Anyway, I thought his attempt at a block was poor. The midfield, as just touched on there, was non-existent at periods of times. I didn't think Cadel Navas was helping that by bypassing it a lot with his, his distribution. He'd be going straight over the top of it. And uh, and Neymar, of course, missing certainly one guilt edge mm-hmm. chance, which there was not really any excuse for in terms of bubbles. Were you kind of fearing for, if there is such a thing, for PSG at halftime? Oh, yeah. Um, I think, uh, you know, in the first half, it, it did look a little bit desperate. And with some key players out, you know, Verratti not being there, arguably Di Maria not being there, Mbappe on the bench, you did get the feeling Neymar was trying to do everything himself and it just wasn't coming off. But it wasn't just those two kind of skied shots, one on, um, uh, you know, very early on, but also one very late on in the first half. There was a couple of crosses he put in where the one where there was just nobody on the end of it. It was a square ball and into a completely empty box and I've actually got a note here on 40 minutes Icardi got close to a cross um he wasn't getting the support he's used to from the midfield as Jess said and didn't have the out ball in front of him I think I said at, at half time just get you promoting on I saw um GFFN said much the same thing because as we discussed last week and as you I think Chris um tweeted during the game this is where they, you could really see the the miss uh, the lack of Cavani someone who would have done a bit more scruff the neck um, charge forward give everything die on the field kind of approach which might have been useful so yeah we did see a big change in the second half Mbappe came on just at the hour mark I think Tuchel had said beforehand he had 30 minutes in him uh, because obviously he was injured recently and a lot of people getting very nervous if this does go to extra time is he going to be able to continue through that but as we've discussed with the with the midfield um, taking off um, Herrera and Gay for Drexler and Paredes around about 20 minutes to go did show the kind of desperation to try to get that midfield moving forwards or at least moving um, and another issue that was kind of worrying was it looked like Navas did his hamstring but stayed on for another 10 minutes. Um, so 
potentially having an injured goalkeeper not wanting to come off, wherever we heard that before, um, was another issue. Uh, Rico did finally come on for him, but um, you know it was a little bit worrying. But looking at the stats at half-time and full-time, you could really see um, that there'd been a big change. At half-time, Atlanta had had five shots to PSG's four. By the end of the game, it was nine shots to PSG's 17. Mm-hmm. By the looks of things, Atlanta didn't have a shot on target in the second half, and PSG had five. And they were really going for it. And as Jess said, maybe the one-leg approach does mean that you have to do that. It's an all-or-nothing situation. But yes, bringing on cheap promoting, everybody, everybody laughed at me. Uh, when it happened, and I was, you know, going woot and whatever, but you know, um, it it was it was it was wonderful that it was him and not one of the Galacticos. It was the guy that everybody keeps saying he used to be a Stoke player, although I think that was for about five minutes. Um, but yes, Marquinhos getting the equaliser was. I was actually going to I was getting myself all set up for extra time and worrying about Mbappe, and then then. Then there was the winner. It was a collapse by Atlanta, which I know a lot of people are very sad about. But you could see them losing their, uh, losing both their energy and also their confidence to a certain extent. And that one-two punch right at the end was, yeah, something else. Yeah, I, I wouldn't have put money on such a comeback at such a late stage, but you, you no. felt that when the equaliser went in, you, you almost felt the inevitable that either they would win it in normal time or go on or to win it in extra time. Extra time because, because Atlanta appeared to be falling to pieces. So Yeah, they were down to 10 men at that point. I think somebody had gone, I can't remember, yeah. somebody had gone off with an injury and, and yeah, was, was in all sorts of bother. Um, Jess, just in terms of, of, of the sort of the overall performance forward line-wise, Obviously, PSG, as Phil touched on there, now Cavani-less. You know, true promoting, as she touched on there, was it's fantastic to see him get his moment in the sun because by all accounts, he sounds like a thoroughly decent chap who's just worked mm. hard and got his chance. Does this highlight the sort of the the concern that now Mauro Riccardi, for example, is a, as a, a full-time PSG player? It's that classic, plays well when there's a contract on the line, gets a contract, goes missing. I thought he was hideous last night is the only word I can describe and I'm a fan of his by the way and and it basically took a 75% fit Mbappe really to turn the game is that a bit of a concern for PSG mm. as they go into Atleti slash Leipzig and then potentially to a final it's, I mean it's it's not entirely a concern if you've got 100% fit Mbappe back for that match <laughs> yeah. um, he's I mean what a player he is it's not yeah. it's not news we all know that and you know as, as a few outlets have been saying it's not even what I mean before he'd even done anything and pretty much the first thing he did was was um, a shot on target which was more than um, most of the team had managed the rest of the match um, possibly the whole team actually um, it's the fact that also, obviously, you've got to take into account that Atalanta were already tiring and they were sitting back and they were defending a lead. All that said, as soon as he came on, you felt a lift in the PSG team and you felt Atalanta sort of mm. do a Thiago Silva and take a couple couple of steps backwards. Um, I, it's the aura that he has. And I think that as much as anything else makes a difference, as well as obviously just simply being a fantastic player. Yeah, For he's Ricardi, got to be... 
may, maybe the the person you least want to see coming on as a sub in the 60th minute in <laughs> baking heat in, a, in a knockout match. Hit him or Adama Traore, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, except that Mbappe actually is good. Yeah, true. And <laughs> not oiled. Now, now. Um, that's just a personal opinion. I just do not see the attract what's so special about him. Um, anyway, um, I, I, for Riccardi, it's a huge concern. I mean, I, I think you look at his record in his career, I don't think he just plays for contracts. Um, so I, I do think there's, there's obviously talent there. I think as we touched on last week, I'm not entirely sure that the PSG style absolutely suits him. Mm-hmm. But then since, certainly since the restart, he's been terrible. And, and David Wall was coming out with some great stats on him and how poor he's been. And I don't think he's had any touches in the area in the last two matches, something like that. And there is a concern, again, if you want to be Champions League winner and your your centre forward isn't getting touches. But again, when you've got people like Neymar and Mbappe and Di Maria behind you, then they can sort of cover a multitude of sins. But long term, it's, it's not a concern. Yeah, if he's the only sort of out-and-out striker. I mean, obviously Mbappe is likely to play down the centre um, at some point or more often than not, but it's it's certainly not ideal. No, um, especially especially when Chupamoting's because he he's he's in the final year of his contract as well, isn't he? So I guess as well, a player, I think he's already. I think I mean they, I guess they can change it, but I think he's like Thiago Silva. I think effectively he's gone, but they've said when they finish, um, yeah. they just extended the contract for the Champions League. Yeah. So if he if he moves on, that that's your 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 classic sort of um, all round guy who's prepared to come off the bench kind of thing. That's gone. You'd imagine uh, we touched on Thiago Silva. You'd imagine Draxler is another one that might be moving on. Who, although he's not a forward, I thought he made quite a big impact on the game yesterday in terms of just wanting the ball and moving the ball forwards in an attacking area. You'd think he would seek past as new this summer in terms of playing time so there is potentially some work to do um, when PSG's season finishes I did notice actually today um, the fixture with Mets has been moved Jazz as well their first game of the season yeah. as a result of um, qualifications so they're already going to have a, a pretty hectic schedule um, when they How do long business. is the transfer when is it still just to the end of August? No, it's October, nice. I think, yeah, isn't it? Across exciting. Europe, October. Yeah. So we're going to sit. We're going to have that weird sort of old school feel of, of oh, bloody hell. during seasons. This yeah. crap is going to go on forever. Right. Yes, you'd imagine most clubs would want to try and get most of their business done before that. Yeah. But yeah, um, it does allow for some wiggle room. What, what's um? What did you make of the reaction to the the game post finality? Shall we say? That, uh, Phil, I don't know. What, I don't know what it was like for you in, in France, but certainly in the UK, there was an awful lot of um, well, let's just call it what it is: bullshit being tweeted <laughs> by people. Um, I'll come on to who I I direct that ire in a moment, but a lot of the UK broadcasting companies, a lot of people tweeting, people just very salty about the fact that PSG are yeah. quote unquote buying their way through. But well, I, I think I. I mean, I've been uh, catching up with podcasts since, and most of them have been sympathising massively with Atalanta. And you can understand that because, yeah, absolutely. you know, they are they are a Serie A team. They're not, you know, Macclesfield. But mm. PSG are this money-drenched juggernaut. And I think a lot of it has 
not hubris, what's the word, schadenfreude, you know, when they've fucked up in the past, it's because of the, you know, the, the concentration on the Champions League, because of the attitude, because of the flashiness. It, it makes it funnier when some when they fail for a lot of people. And I think that, as just said, we need to give them credit here for battling back from a really bad start, a really bad first half. They've not had a lot of, um, you know, competitive football and they did do it and they did it in an enjoyable and flashy way at the end, um, which is something that, that maybe we haven't seen that often. You know, they can be flat track bullies in the league they're kind of inevitable in the cups, that kind of thing. This was, there was genuine um, peril here and, uh, and they got out of it. So I think here it's, yeah, there's a lot of people who don't like PSG. OM fans obviously are just pretending it never happened. But I think it is, I, I was pleased to see him do it because it was an exciting match and it's good to have, you know, a, you know two French teams uh, going into the, the final stage, the final stages. So, um, yeah, that's because uh, the other one wasn't bad either, was it? <laughs> no, no, which we will certainly come on to uh, very shortly. Um, just uh, just give you a, sort of a moment to, to address that issue as well. The, the tweet that I saw was from a, I'm not going to name him because frankly, I don't want to give him any credit, but somebody who, who's very heavily involved in Spanish football, shall we say, and, and his view is that Atalanta were, quote, good and pure about football, which I, I'm not sure I completely buy. And uh, and, and the, the lines of uh, PSG being self-indulgent and obnoxious. And I just I just feel that there's a bit of, I think we've touched on other pods and it's not, it's not to sort of, you know, pick on other people, but this, this constant bashing of, oh, well, they're owned by slave drivers and their own, you know, the billionaires. It's, it's nothing to do with the players, is it? You know, I appreciate some of the money brought some of those players there, but, but there's, there's nothing different to what's going on at Man City or at Juventus or at Bayern Munich. I mean, there's, there's vast other com, uh, clubs and, and um, obviously we saw it recently, the Newcastle takeover. Do you, do you think it's just a bit of a, a bit of snobbery or a bit, or is it a bit of jealousy from people that their clubs are, are not able to compete in the way PSG are all of a sudden? I think it's uh, a little bit of jealousy and snobbery. And I, I genuinely, I'm not going to get into this aspect of it. I genuinely think it's real, very, very strong British anti-Frenchness. But that's a chip that I've had on my shoulder for, for 40 odd years or whatever. But um, I, I, I just wish there was, yeah, there was more consistency. I, Last night was easy because Atalanta really are the good guys and the whole, you know, um, Bergamo and the COVID crisis and everything. That one's easier. But the, yeah, when it's, you know, when it's Barcelona or Real Madrid or Man United that have beaten PSG and, and it's painted as the, you know, the poor little minnows beating the, the nasty, horrible, rich people. It's a joke. And I, I saw, I replied to the same tweet that you were alluding to last night. First of all, in terms of the players, obnoxious and arrogant, there's one particular player who stands out in that description. And even then, yesterday, I thought he was he really reined it in. For the most part, most of the other players, not all of them, but most of them are actually, I think, quite likeable at the moment. And so I think that's an extremely lazy trope to, to go with. But also, as you said, we're talking about Bayern Munich, who go to Dubai every summer for a tour, who have 
uh, section of their fucking crowd reserved for people to dress up as the T-Mobile logo. Um, you've got, you know, Liverpool fans criticising PSG yesterday. How many of their players last year were actually homegrown? Um, you know, Man United, the sort of original massive commercial behemoth. Real Madrid have for years been protected by the state, um, writing off debts without even getting back as far as, you know, the way Franco protected them, that kind of thing. And they're all playing in the fucking Champions League that is a closed shop for the top four of the big teams. As long as you're playing in a competition that's called Champions League and isn't for champions, you're, you're being hypocritical, kind of ignoring the fact that the whole thing is just business now. So, yeah, have your issues with it. First of all, at least be consistent and treat Man City the same way, both in terms of ownership, in, ta- in terms of money, but also in terms of serial choking. Um, and City have been doing it for longer than PSG. And also, don't turn a blind eye to the fact that everyone has got to, as, you know, one degree or another, this kind of, um, some kind of sort of commercial-based um, questions to answer. But as soon as they, they cross the white line, just look at it based on the players and what they're doing. And yes, PSG have dis- deserved some criticism and a little bit of teasing the last few years, but also give them credit where it's due. And when they've they've kind of, you know, I suppose beaten history as well as, um, okay, at, you know, they should be beating Atalanta, but actually practically every prediction I saw tipped Atalanta to win. Um, so, you know, when they've done something they haven't done before. And by the way, in terms of history, um, you know, PSG won a European competition 24 years ago. It's not like they've come out of absolutely nowhere. It's not um, really Leipzig, is it? No, but again, them as well. I don't have an issue with it. Fine. Don't like how they were set up. But they're actually a very likable team. You play nice football. They've got a great young manager. So, you know, it's ridiculous to sort of be, in that case, Nagelsmann or Upamecano or whatever, just because they're backed by Red Bull. Mm. Yeah. yeah. Separate the two. Yeah, I think you're absolutely right. And, and as I said, it does does sort of grip my eye and people sort of go for me, oh, why are, you, why are you backing PSG? And I'm like, well, because I follow the league that they're playing in and it is beneficial for the league, for them to win a trophy, that that's why. Nothing more, nothing less. But um, but yeah, apparently it's you know it's absolutely fine to support other English clubs in Europe when you support an English club, which I've never understood. But that's uh, a debate for another day. I've got I've got that off my chest. Um, Phil, let's give some credit to um, the other plucky underdog. God bless them. They've got no history. Tiny little club in France. Nobody's ever heard of them. I'm of course joking. Leon fans, don't panic. Um, but again, in the media, it was portrayed as this all-conquering uh, sort of overcoming of every every opportunity possible that, that we're never going to get. But Leon beat Juventus over yeah. two legs. Uh, well. And I thought, going back in minutes, they they deserved to. I, I felt over the two legs, I thought they were, they were more, they, they had key, uh, they played the football at the key times, they managed the games well. Um, yes, slightly fortuitous penalty, um, but certainly a very fortuitous one given against them as well. Um, I'm I'm just very pleased with them. I think I think they they yeah. really put in the performance. What did you make of it? Yeah, I know. I thought it was it was great. I mean, it was getting a bit getting a bit uh, tense at the end there. But I think um, as we discussed last week, 
there was a chance. And as Tariq wrote in his preview, if they scored first, that gave them uh, a bigger chance um, because as we saw in the cup final against PSG, they, they went out defensively. They were very, very organised in doing that and getting that early goal meant that they had that situation. They knew Juve needed to get three. I mean, looking at the XG, uh, you know, they really, really could have done. But um, what they put together was a, uh, a very impressive um, kind of solid collective performance. And I think Marcelo was just wonderful. Um, and so, again, looking at all of the all of the stats, they didn't. They actually managed to shut the second half down pretty well as uh, as well, despite the fact that you know Juve were were coming at them. So I think there was there were quite a few chaotic moments. There was a nice scramble, um, but it was a, a little bit of luck involved uh, in terms of being able to hold out that much, but yes, I mean, it was a very impressive performance by them. And obviously I think we're all nervous about them facing city, but to get this far, to have two French teams at this stage in the competition is, is great. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. That deserved their moment in the sun. Jazz would be fair to say a couple of summer performances. Like first I thought Marcelo was superb. Anthony Lopez has been pretty consistently superb the whole season. Fusa is, is taking on that mantle of being the leader in the team. Um, and Memphis Depay returning to fitness is, is obviously key to them. But sort of one player that, that stood out, and again, it makes me chuckle because, of course, watching a lot of French football, we're all kind of aware of these players. So when you see Twitter explode and go, oh, we should go and buy that Max Saints Kakaret, and you just sort of think, oh, yeah, yeah, that, that guy, yeah, well done. Um, but he was outstanding, wasn't he, Jess? For, for a 20-year-old... In, in probably the, the biggest game of his of his life, I thought he he, he managed the game brilliantly well and, and sort of ran that midfield. There's a really good image of him picking up Adrian Rabi off the floor, and I thought that there's there's a little bit of a, an image for you to to keep in your back pocket for future. But yeah, big future for him, and and, and potentially he's got another opportunity to shine against Man City in in that aforementioned uh, semi final that Phil mentioned there. Yeah, I think he's a superb player and um, Lyon fans have been sort of pushing for him to get into the first team for a long time now. And um, I'm, I'm sure they're not going to give Garcia any credit for, for being the one to put him in, but um, he's now been given his chance and, and so far he, he's really taken it. He looks extremely assured. He looks, although there's practically nothing to him, he looks like, you know, getting knocked over by a, a gust of wind. He's, he's not afraid to put it about. Um, he's got a lovely first touch and, and um, is another of these really good young French midfielders who you feel could sort of play from four to six to eight to ten even um, and, and sort of do a good job in any of those positions. Um, he's, it's too early to say whether... Um, well, I was going to compare him to Awa, who I still think needs to show more consistency and looks like... Um, you know, world-class player one day and then and then sort of vanishes a little bit the next. And I'm still expecting a little bit more from him. Now he's kind of two or three years into his career and looking to to make a big move. But certainly so far, Kakare doesn't look overawed at all. And, and um, it really looks like, you know, in sort of, if we think that this summer will be the summer of Awa or whatever, you, you've got to think that next summer or certainly the summer after, Kakare is going to be the the 
big player leaving leaving Lyon. Mm. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. We just gotta hope that um, Mourinho isn't around anyway to destroy <laughs> another French midfielder's career. Yeah, it makes me wonder if if that's why they they let uh, Toussaint move on with sort of without too much objection. I appreciate sort of his choice, but you you have to feel they knew that they had someone in the in the ranks to come through. And, and a good shout about Garcia. I mean, you know, you have to be the manager to give these players a chance and put your your faith in them. And, and he did exactly that. What um what chances do you give both sides, Phil, as, as they head into their their semi-finals? PSG, obviously, we don't know. Who they're going to play at this point in terms of the fact that uh, Atletico Madrid and, and RB Leipzig are playing this evening. I happen to think Atleti are probably the likely ones to come out of that tie. And then uh, we know that Leon will, will face Man City, who, of course, they went to the Etihad and surprised everybody mm. uh, a couple of years ago now. So what, what sort of chance do you give both sides going into those, those games at the weekend? I think with, with Leon, obviously, because we know who their opponent will be, that uh, yes, they did surprise City that time, but if this time they're on a run of kind of playing defensively solidly and it works, then we have seen some issues with City's defence um, at various points. And one thing that was interesting to me in the Juve match was it was pretty robust. I think six or seven of them ended up getting booked. And I was just talking to Tariq and he said, I think the shit housing has actually helped them because it helped you break up the um, break up the Juve's rhythm. Now, the difference will be that Juve, really everything kind of revolved around Ronaldo. He had nine of the 16 shots, yes. And so if you've got someone who is that much of a focal point, it's easier to defend because you, you know, you know where he is. Whereas City's um, kind of more distributed attack might be something more of a problem. But if they stick with the three at the back, Marcel, Marcelo and Denier, um I don't know why Denier went off. Was that an injury where Anderson came on for him? Um, but, you know, their... their um, they're good, solid guys to to be able to shut people down. So uh, there's always a chance uh, we will have another preview of Tarek talking to himself up on, on Saturday. Um, but yes, I think, but what might help is that nobody's expecting OL to surprise City again. Mm. And maybe just maybe that gives a little bit of freedom and uh, takes a bit of pressure off and means they can just go out there and play um, instead of feeling a bit um, overwhelmed. Because if we look at who PSG are going to facing, if it's RB Leipzig, then everybody's going to say PSG should win. If it's Atletico Madrid, it should be PSG should win on penalties after a nil-nil draw. You know, it's, um, I think, uh, obviously PSG have the better chance of going through, but I think both games are going to be really interesting in their own individual inimitable way. Mm. Yeah, yeah, I think it's uh, it's definitely uh, definitely two interesting ties. And um, what's, what's sort of your your take on them on them, Jasmine? I think Phil makes a good point there. Nobody will expect Leon to do the unthinkable. Nobody is expecting be... the French Inquisition. No, <laughs> that too. Um, but um, one thing Man City give up 
as an Arsenal fan, I can confirm this, is chances. Um, so it's whether Leon potentially can take those chances and play in the spirit they did against Juventus. And, and as for PSG, I think that the best thing that could happen to them is, is RB Leipzig upset Atleti because any, anybody playing a Simeone side is going to have a long, long night ahead of them. What's your kind of thoughts on, on those two tyres, James? Um, I think for, for Lyon, as, as you both said, I mean, they, they've already exceeded expectations. There's absolutely no pressure on them. So all the pressure is on um, uh, nasty state-owned serial chokers Man City. Um, so I don't think that... I think that, in a way, helps Lyon. And obviously, you know, um, the scourge of Man City last year, Maxwell Cornet, apparently, is probably going to be fit. So... That's a, a huge psychological boost for, for Lyon. Um, I just, I, it's, it's, I mean, I suppose similarly to Juventus, but it's not fair to focus too much on that because it takes credit away from Lyon. But really, this is about Man City to a, to an extent. However well Lyon play, however solid they are defensively, City clearly are uh, a better team, um, better all-round players, arguably the best midfielder in the world at the moment. Um, just so many different offensive weapons um, that if they play close to their best, Lyon will struggle. But Lyon have shown already against Man City last year and against a, a very good team in Juventus, and you know even giving PSG some good games in the last well in the last couple of weeks, let alone the last couple of years, they're, they're very capable of raising their game against the best. And if their opponents are having even slightly an off day, then they know how to sort of capitalise. Um, so I think it will either be a very narrow win for Lyon, possibly on penalties, or a very, very comfortable win for City. To be honest, I think <laughs> it be a comfortable City win, but it would be nice to um, to be proven wrong. And then for, for PSG, you know, the... the Everything has kind of fallen into place for them this year um, in terms of the fact that it's it's now sort of one match format rather than two legs. Um, and obviously in terms of the, the, the draw and whether it's Leipzig or Atletico, I think they'd probably prefer Leipzig who probably play in a more similar style to, to Atalanta in terms of just more sort of speedy attacking intent. Um, I think that they should start on paper as favourites against either team. But I agree that Simeone will probably have um, much more of a plan in place um, to face PSG. I think his players will be uh, fitter than Atalanta's yesterday, which not necessarily Atalanta's fault. I think there were, there were a couple of injuries there, clearly. Um, and so I think PSG will need to play much, much better as a team to, to undo Atletico. Um, yeah. In that one, I think if, if PSG score first, I think they'll win comfortably. Otherwise, I think it could that one as well could well come down to Atletico just really frustrating PSG and it coming down to penalties. Yeah, yeah, it'll be a fascinating game tonight to see which of those two go through because uh, yeah, it's going to be a it's going to be a difficult one um, to, to call. I think because I think RB Leipzig are just not the same side without Timo Werner, who's since departed, and uh, Atletico Madrid's uh, missing Vasilko and Correa due to the positive tests. So it'll be interesting to see how they 
how they take their game on, whether they do sit for that defensive approach or they actually go for the throw. It'd be interesting to see what happens there. I don't, I don't think people should underestimate Leipzig too much. They've still mm. got a very, very good team without Werner. And while he scores a lot of their goals, he seems to miss a hell of a lot of chances as well yeah, true, whenever yeah. I see him. So. Yeah. And Patrick Schick is, is, a, is a decent alternative. I mean, you know, he's, he's probably not the same type of player, but uh, Leipzig have still got plenty of, of good players. I'm quite looking forward to seeing Christian Kunku actually uh, in their midfield because I think he's impressed a lot since he's joined, ironically, from PSG. So that'd be interesting to see. Well, how certainly he gets from, a, from a French point of view, you've got Nkunku, Mukiele, and, and Upamecano, and Kanate, actually. And Kanate, so. yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Yeah, be a be a decent uh, could be a decent watch. That we shall uh, we shall see. Um, that is the the Champions League games. Then um, we, we're going to keep the pod a little bit short this week, um, due to the fact that I'm at some point like to get switched off from my internet. God bless Virgin Media. Um, but before we do 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 that, uh, Phil has a little bit of an update for us in regards to the women's game, yep. and then I just want to touch a bit on the new season upcoming as well. So uh, over to you, Phil. So yes, we had the um, final of the Coupe de France Feminine on Sunday and OL beat PSG. This will not come as a surprise to many, but it was on penalties after a nil-nil draw, which was kind of surprising. We mentioned last week that in both their semi-finals, neither of them were the usual free-scoring um, machines that we're used to seeing. Uh, I think Lyon's um, goals per game in the league was four on average uh, during this season. And there were some interesting things to take from this because obviously both teams are going to be heading to Czech's notes Bilbao for the final stages of the Women's Champions League where PSG will be facing Arsenal and OL will be playing Bayern. Now, Chris, as an Arsenal fan, mm. you should be uh, interested in this because while PSG did not concede to Lyon in 90 minutes of uh, a play, they didn't play extra time because of um, because of the, the heat and various things, um, PSG's defending was really, really bad. It was a real more luck than good management situation in keeping that, that clean sheet. Both centre-backs, uh, Dudek and Paredes, um, had big screw-ups in the first half. They had the Apparently, a tendency to um, undercook back passes to an increasingly frazzled Endler in goal and had to have Grace Gioro come drop back from midfield to kind of mop up the fuck-ups. So, they did not look uh, good at the back. And while they they started brightly in the second half, Witema uh, was not good up front. And they only really looked a bit more lively late on when um, Nadine and Bachmann, uh, Nadine and Bachmann were brought on to try to up the tempo. And what was interesting from an OL point of view, they'll be playing uh, Bayern um, in the quarterfinal in their first match in Bilbao, is, well, they didn't score, uh, which is unusual. Um, Nikita Paris had some good chances, but just couldn't get the ball in. Um, Eugenie Lazama hit the bar and, and various things and also missed her penalty in the shootout. And you can clearly see that OL are not used to not scoring, as I said, with the four 
goals per game average in the league. And so they clearly got very, very nervous at the end when PSG were putting together a couple of moves. Uh, there was a, a corner late, uh, right at the death where you could see utter panic amongst all of the OL players. Um, now, a couple of years ago, I think two years ago, again, they beat PSG on penalties in the Coupe de France final. PSG beat them last year. So this is something that passes between the two of them. But neither of them look really up to speed. What's going to be interesting is if the other teams that are playing are up to speed, because they'll be in roughly the same position. Um, the others are Glasgow, Wolfsburg and Atletico Madrid versus Barca in the other quarterfinal, which, of course, broke the um, attendance records for women's club match um, uh, some time ago. So that's going to be really interesting. But I think Arsenal-PSG, Arsenal's got a good chance of, of, of going through if they stay organised and take their chances because they will be given chances. Sometimes they'll be gifted them on a plate from the look of... Um, Paredes and Dudek. So I think this is going to, it was um, Lyon's 11th Coupe de France uh, win. Uh, obviously they're going for, is it seven or eight uh, Champions Leagues they're going for this time? I can't remember. You know, they're the best club team in the world. I so eight. I think I read that somewhere. I think it's eight. I think they've yeah. already got seven. So they're going to be looking to roll over Bayern who maybe don't have any... Uh, may, many standout players because Wolfsburg are the big guns in Germany. So it's going to be interesting as well that, of course, they can meet in the semi final, uh, which has been the final uh, several times in various uh, cup competitions um, in the Champions League. But yes, I think Arsenal have got. Arsenal have got a shot here, so it's going to be very interesting to see those. Uh, both of those games are on the 22nd, Saturday the 22nd, and please God, they will actually be on TV somewhere because you can never count on that. But it was, um, despite the fact it was nil-nil, it was a very interesting game, and um, my one question with the penalties was, Endler actually saved from the summer, but then she took the next penalty and hit the bar and was then in pieces for the next one. And uh, it ended up with Sarah Buhadi saving from Leah Khalifi, which struck me as another interesting choice of putting in your penalty lineup, given that she looks about 12 and had only come on late on and is quite a bit par player for PSG. So I think uh, maybe that wasn't managed as well as it could have been, which again will be an interesting um, piece of information to have in case uh, any of these games goes to penalties, that, you know, uh, there's some uh, seemingly odd choices being made there, potentially because some of the, the more experienced players were already off the pitch, like Formiga, etc. But yes, it uh, will be a very interesting uh, week in Bilbao for the women in the Champions League upcoming. And we'll see if OL get the seventh or eighth or nth or 20th or whatever um, as defending champions. Yeah, I'll certainly be keeping a close tab on Arsenal's team there because uh, they've got a couple of very decent players. So um, yeah, it will be interesting to see what happens there. It is weird 
to say that with the, the sort of combination of the women's game and the combination of the men's game in, in European action, it feels very weird to sit here and tell you that Liga starts again in a week's time. Um, We've got we overlap can... here, haven't we? This is just... Yeah, it's going to be weird, isn't it? Because it's like normally we would do like a, a podcast about a full season preview, but we're now going to have to squidge in... <laughs> Champions League and everything as well so I think probably we'll get our heads together and work out what's best to do but I think we will try and incorporate all in one next week and just maybe do a slightly longer show potentially um I don't think we'll go through sort of every team with a fine tooth comb but we certainly will do our best to uh to preview the the, the, the sort of the, the the movers and shakers in terms of squad changes and and who to expect good and bad seasons from there's quite a lot to delve into with regards to Bordeaux for example at the moment Ooh, so we boy. will uh, we will try and get across that um, but yes the the first week's fixtures commence next Friday when uh, OM face St Etienne which might be a decent little opener uh, if all goes according to plan um, Bordeaux, Nantes and Lille-Rennes uh, get... talk about a sentence, you know, the as well. Yes, there's, yeah, there's a fair bit to, to get into with them. There seems to be stories all over Liga at the moment. Um, but yes, uh, Lille, Rennes and Bordeaux, Nantes are the Saturday fixtures. Um, and then obviously the, the rest of the teams will play on the Sunday, although not PSG Mets, as we've discussed before. So, um, Which means the Mets won't be bottom by the end of the first season. No, very true. Very true. <laughs> yeah, that's also very true. But, uh, of course, I shall be paying particular attention to Lorient Strasbourg on the Sunday. And uh, I believe the German foreign minister was quite just saying this week that they have uh, opted to, to put back the idea of getting supporters back into the grounds in September. Um, do we know what the the sort of French stance is on on the opening? Is, is uh, it no, be... no, nobody seems to know. No, so I, I guess we'll just have the to... moment. I think it's still five thousand limit, but, yeah. but that's not nice for every event. Yeah, Nice have confirmed that they're not going to have any fans. I saw week. that story. Yeah, yeah. And as there's been a bit of a spike, I wouldn't be surprised if if that changes again. Yeah. Mm. Uh, we're on um, mandatory masks outside. Yeah. I guess, and I guess the those of those five thousand tickets, you're going to be looking at dignitaries and and high priced season ticket holders rather than your average Joe rings up and says, "Can I have a ticket?" I would assume, anyway. Um, or, or they're going to go with the season ticket holders first, first which means yeah. they won't go on to um, general sale. But at the yeah. moment, pretty much everybody's making up as they go along. So. Yeah, that sounds a lot like the British government. Um, yeah, it's going to be a weird old season. I think it's fair to say. So we we will so, get into that. But, yeah, but uh, to, to be fair, at least this time we know who's in it. I remember a couple of couple of That's years true. ago there was so, so much admin shuffling around. We had Steve Wiss sending us um, plaintive emails saying, "How can I preview a league when I don't know who's going who's to be in playing in it?" And it starts on Friday. That's that is true. Yeah, so, that is very true. On the bright side. And T- Toulouse announced their 10th positive COVID ca- case today. Which means that's only one number behind the number of points they got all last season. <laughs> yeah, more positives than, than points. That's never a good thing, I would suggest. So, yeah, and what that means for them, I guess we'll have to wait and see equally. But we, we will endeavour to, to try and put together... Uh, some sort of um, discussion with regards to new season next week. If we <laughs> some can. sort of preview. <laughs> we, we've sort got of we've got to get rich out of out of um, 
Rasmus yeah. Park and um, get him in on this as well. Get him in on this. Yeah, it's going to be uh, it's going to be slightly strange to say the least. But we will of course cover the Leon game, um, Leon PSG, which is on Saturday. Uh, so we will we will certainly have that one to talk about. PSG's game is it on the Tuesday. Uh, no, it's not on, on the Tuesday. On. Frantically searches through. I've notes. got a piece of paper. Here. It says eighteenth. Yes, 18th. Tuesday. Oh, it is Tuesday. Okay. Why is yeah. it not popping up on the? Slide? And then the ninth. 19th is the other one, so God no, maybe next Thursday again. I was going to say it may well be next Thursday. In that case, yeah. we shall we shall see. Stay tuned, as the kids say. We will keep you posted. When we know more, you'll know more. Um, but uh, well, yes, hopefully you will actually have um, internet. Yes, uh, I know. Well, by then, after I, they cut you off, I'm already uh, nine minutes into borrow time, so uh, I'm, I'm clinging on here. But yes, uh, apparently it is only a 24-hour outage, so. <clears throat> 24 hours of nothing no internet what am i going to do with myself i don't know answers on a postcode anyway um yes oh, say again answers on a postcode or answers on a postcode or postcard or either or i mean or pigeon whatever you fancy really um but yeah don't i'll find something to pigeons. do no i don't mention pigeons I'll, I'll find something to do maybe i'll work out who's in liga um without the internet that'll be a fun game Anyway, um, until next week, uh, obviously, OL fans, you've probably had a lovely week, but continue to enjoy that until until Saturday and hopefully beyond. Um, PSG, I'm sure, will be waking up with slightly sore heads today. Enjoy your particular period of time as well. Uh, screw the haters, naturally. But uh, thank you very much to Jez and Phil for joining me this evening. Thank you. And, uh, as and congratulations say, to Jenny Le Sommel on getting married today. I, I saw that as well weirdly the weird the weird things that pop up on your twitter timeline uh so with that happy married news uh, enjoy your french teams in europe and we'll be back to uh semi-preview your french football next week thank you for listening we'll speak to you then